Well, hey friends, it is really great to see you again today. My name's Clay Monkus and I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And uh, we are so glad that you chose to join us today. Well, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Prove It. And in it, we said that there are many times that we have to prove ourselves for things like proof of ID, or you got proof you know something by passing a test, or even you have to show your work on a math problem to prove you understand how to do that. But have you ever thought about what it is that proves you're a follower of Jesus? And what we learned two weeks ago, and again this last week, is there is something that actually does prove you are a Christian. And Jesus is the one who said it, and he didn't leave any ambiguity to it. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 13, Verse 35, he says, your love for one another will what? Prove, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He didn't say that you prove you're one of my disciples by church attendance or how long you pray or how much Bible you read or not doing bad things or doing all the whatever. None of that. Now, those are good things, as I said last week, and you should be practicing praying and reading your Bible and attending church. Those should be practices. But Jesus said, that the proof to those around us will be how well we love each other. This is vital to understanding who we are called to be as Christians. And you need to understand it is core to who we are here at Next Level Church. We are built around being an example of what it looks like to love people recklessly. And today, I want to talk about what I think is one of the biggest barriers to really, truly, recklessly loving other people in a way that God has called us to. And I think it is this mentality right here, and I've talked about it a lot, us versus them. And I talk about it a lot because it's really, really important. It's so all over our culture, right? This looks different in everybody's life, but we all have this hidden list in our hearts, it's this unpublished list of people who matter and people who don't matter. And most of the time, we don't talk about it because it's uncomfortable to admit. But you have it, right? You get the people in your life that you think are lovable. And then there are other people who you think are not lovable and you don't get them, right? I get it because it's easy to love lovable people because they are, well, <laughs> lovable, but there's these other people in your life, and they're not lovable. I understand that. So there is this us versus them. People who matter, people who don't matter. People who are lovable people, and people who are not lovable. All of us have this list in our head. And we probably won't talk about it, but the list is there. And this is a real problem. Because this idea, this us versus them, lovable, unlovable... It does unbelievable damage to us being able to love others recklessly like Jesus has asked. Now, let me show you how Jesus attacks this idea because he knows we all struggle with it. For background, Jesus is kind of just arriving on the scene and he's making some news. He has just selected 12 of his disciples and begins teaching everyone with some great stories about how to share life with people, right? And when he's wrapped up, he makes a very surprising statement in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. He says, That day, when evening had come, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Now, normally we would just read that and we wouldn't think a whole lot about it. I know I've done that a lot. But trust me, 
When Jesus suggests for them to go to the other side of the lake, it was like dropping a bomb. Nobody went to the other side. When Jesus said this, it's not just about geography. The other side was a region called the Decapolis, right? the ten cities. This is where history tells us the seven nations of Canaan had settled. It's a center of Roman power in Jesus' time. The other side is full of pagan temples. The other side is a place that's all about violence. It's about sex. It's about greed. On the other side is everything that a good Jewish person is not. For the Jews, they regard the other side as the place where Satan lives. For the Jews, there was this mentality, and there is a right side, and there is a wrong side. And the Jews, they weren't alone in thinking this way. Pretty much every human group that has ever walked the face of the earth has struggled with this idea that there is an us versus them, that there is a right and there is a wrong, right side versus wrong side. And the reality is we tend to be side takers. And we all have certain sides that we tend to be on. And of course, whatever side we are on is us. And the us side is always the good side. And on the other side is them. And that side almost certainly is always the bad side. There, there are certain people who are going to be on the side, let's say, of the Falcons, right? There'll be certain people, that's the good side, who are going to be on the wrong side with the Panthers, just the way it is. There's an idea, right? In this idea, there are Republicans and Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, you think you're on the right side. And you think all Republicans are heartless and wrong. And if you're a Republican, you think you're on the right side. And all Democrats are godless and wrong. All right, you understand where I'm at in this? And it doesn't matter which side you're on, you think the other one is wrong, right? So there is an us versus them. In the church world, there's Baptist, right? That's a particular group, and they think they're right and they're convinced. And then there's Methodist, who are wrong on some things, right? And the Methodists, guess what they think? Well, they're convinced that the Baptists are wrong, right? There is an us versus them mentality in every category of your life. Rich people think that they've got it down and that the poor people, they're just lazy or they don't want to work to improve their life. And there are people who lack financial resources that look at the rich and think that they got it wrong and they're all dishonest and they're all greedy. But in every category of your life, there's this idea that there's an us and there is a them. And there's a right and there's a wrong. So we struggle with this and we go through life with this mentality. Now, make no mistake about it. Jesus is being very intentional in this story that we're about to read. And when he says we're going to the other side, he knows exactly what he's doing. So back to our story. The disciples are freaking out a little bit because they know God-fearing people don't go to the other side. right? You don't associate with them. You don't go over there. Certainly no rabbi would ever think about getting in a boat and going to the other side. You just don't do that. So let's see what happens. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit from the tomb, came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. 
night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He would cry out and cut himself with stones. So, so picture this. They go across the lake, they get off the boat, and this is the welcoming, com- welcoming committee they get on the other side. To which I'm sure the disciples are thinking, look, <laughs> we told you, you don't go to the other side because Jesus, now we're on the other side, right? And everything is wrong. If we would have stayed where we were, everything's going to go great, right? You have thousands of people over there lining up to hear you speak, watch you do miracles. When we were on that side, the right side, your approval ratings were shooting through the sky and everything was great. And now we come to the other side, which is the wrong side, and we have one person that shows up. He's a crazy, deranged guy. We, we told you this was a mistake. Now, what does Jesus do? There's one person that's in his path, and he does what he always does. He recklessly loves the one man that's put in his path. If you read the story, the Bible said that he heals him. It's a, it's a really neat story because he casts, apparently had some demons in him, and he casts the demons out of this man and puts them into a herd of pigs. And when he does this, as you can imagine, everybody starts to hear about it. And so everybody shows up to hear about this man who just cast out demons. And that's where we pick up in verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were what? Afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. Why did they want Jesus to leave? Well, they were scared. You understand? Because here's a man who has power. He's from the other side. He's a man who has tremendous amount of power, but he is from the other side. He's from the wrong side. He's not one of us. He's one of them. So they are scared, and they ask him to leave. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had Mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This right here, this really is one of the weirdest conversations a man could have, right? Just think about this. He wants to go with Jesus. I understand that because Jesus healed him. Why doesn't Jesus let him go? Right? There's a reason, and I'm going to show you something that's really cool, a lot of people kind of miss in this story, but I think this is key. When Jesus first goes to the other side, nobody's there to greet him except for this one crazy demon-possessed dude. Right? He's not welcomed. In fact, they, they don't even like him. They ask him to leave, and the Bible tells us that's what he does. He leaves. But he's going to return in a short amount of time. We don't know how much time exactly went by. But not much time because it says in a short amount of time, he returns back to the other side. So I'm going to show you what happens when he returns. Look here in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him as he was by the lake. Now, you go on reading 
All through that chapter, it's one of the most amazing responses that he gets in his entire ministry. Uh, he ends up going this time to the other side, and people are bringing sick people to him and asking him to heal them. Uh, they're just trying to touch his cloak. They're enamored with him. So you have to ask, what's the difference? Why does he go there the first time and they ask him to leave? And then he goes back a second time, and this is huge, right? He gets this massive, unbelievable response. I'll tell you what the difference was. You remember when Jesus was getting on the boat? We just talked about it. And the demon-possessed guy says, I want to get on the boat, and I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Why don't you just stay here and tell people about God's mercy? Tell people about what's happened to you. Well, apparently, that dude does exactly what Jesus said. He tells everybody. And so now when Jesus returns, he gets this huge welcome, and everybody wants to be around him, and they want to hear him teach. And so what happened is this. They heard Jesus cares about someone on their side. They heard Jesus cared about someone on their side. And when they understood that Jesus actually cared about someone who's on our side, well, all of a sudden, they become open to Jesus' ministry. Now, this is really, really key. This whole series is about understanding what unlocks the hearts of people to be more open to the gospel of Jesus. Jesus himself modeled this for us. You have a group that's completely uninterested. They don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. In fact, they asked Jesus to leave. Then when they find out, wait a second, Jesus actually cares about us. All of a sudden, they're totally open to hearing what it is that he has to say. They want to be around him. They want to watch him. They want to follow him, but not until they understand that he genuinely cares about people on the other side. So it goes back to the question that I asked us last week. As Christians, I want us to think about this. When did Christians decide to leverage what we know instead of how much we love? Right? When did we decide to leverage how much we know instead of how much we love? Because Jesus knew it was all about leveraging love. Now, what I want to do, I want to talk practically for just a couple of minutes and uh, talk about what it looks like in your life right now to love people the way Jesus says to love people. How does that happen? I'm going to give you two things, just two things, but they are big. If you're going to love like Jesus, one, accept others the way Jesus accepts you. Accept others the way Jesus accepts you. Followers of Jesus should be the most accepting group in the world. And the reason is our starting point for loving others and accepting other people is that we realize how much God accepts me. Right? Titus 3.7 says, Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. How does he make us right? What does it say? How does he make us acceptable? By his grace. So Jesus says, hey, guess what? You are acceptable. 
And it's not that you did anything. Right? When were you made acceptable in Christ? Right? Is it because you tried something? No. Is it because you promised that you're going to be perfect? No, because you know you can't be perfect. You're still not going to be perfect, and you're still going to struggle with sin. But it was through his grace. Jesus says, I'm going to make you acceptable by my grace, not your performance. It's not because of your performance and what you do that you're made right with God. Now, this is tough because every one of us, every single person grew up with, un- with some version of conditional love. No matter how amazing your parents were or your brothers or your sisters or the community group that you're in or the youth group that you're a part of, no matter how incredible the person that you date is or the person that you're married to, everybody experiences conditional love. Nobody can love unconditionally all of the time. It's just not humanly possible. You've probably experienced little glimpses, I hope you have, of unconditional love in your life, but for the most part, What you're conditioned to is conditional love because no human being can love unconditionally all of the time. So you've learned something like, I will be loved if I do blank. I will be loved if I believe blank. I will be loved if I say blank, right? It's this kind of way that it works for you. So it's hard for us to even imagine when we come to an idea like this that Jesus just says, no, 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 no. I just love you, period. You don't have to do anything. I don't love you, right? I I don't love you because of who you are. I love you because of who I am. I I don't love you because of what you do. I love you because of what I've done. I don't love you because of your conduct. I love you because of my character. It's hard for us to imagine this kind of love, this kind of acceptance, this kind of grace. But I am telling you this. Grace with strings attached is anything but grace. Grace with strings attached, and and we are so good at doing this as Christians, grace with strings attached is anything but grace. And most of you are used to acceptance with strings attached, grace with strings attached, love with strings attached, but that's not the way God loves. So we have to learn. This is the starting point. You have to learn. We're going to love others the way that God loves us. We're going to accept others the way God has accepted us. And God wants you to do that for other people. Problem is, most of us don't understand the difference between acceptance and approval. I know you were already thinking this. And here's where you get stuck. There's a big difference between acceptance and approval. Right? I believe with all of my heart, although there are moments I forget this or it's hard for me to believe, but I really do believe that God absolutely accepts me. 100% God loves me, right? Absolutely, 100%. But you also have to know that there are things that I do in my life that God does not approve of. So he accepts me 100% and he loves me 100%, but he does not 100% approve of everything that I do. You understand that? There are things that I do that hurt myself. There are things that I do that hurt other people around me. And God doesn't approve of any of those things. But it doesn't change the fact that he absolutely, fully accepts and absolutely, fully loves me. He's not playing games with me. There's no strings attached to this. But it also doesn't mean that he approves of everything that I do. See, most of us, we get confused with this. And and you think, if you accept someone... 
It means you have to approve of everything they do. Right? I, I know you have thought this. So I'll save you some time from writing me an email. I'll save you some time from having a conversation uh, that I have every single time that I'll talk about love and grace and we'll talk out in the lobby. Here's the conversation that, that you are probably going to have with me. So let's just have it right here. I really want to accept and love this person, but I can't. They're, they're just screwing up their life right now. And if I accept them, if I love them, it means I condone what they're doing. Can I, can I help you? No, it doesn't. You can accept someone and love someone without approving of everything that they do. Or, or you might say, I, I can't love them or accept them because their life is such a mess and, and I don't have time to solve it for them. And here's the thing. You can accept someone and you can love them without having to step in and be their rescuer. In fact, that is Jesus's job. Right? I, I've got some friends. I've even got family in my life right now, and, and we're in two very different places, right? Very different places. And honestly, I don't approve of some of the things that are going on in their life. Right? But I can absolutely, and I do, 100% accept them and love them. Now, I don't approve of some of the things that are going on in their life right now, but I can absolutely accept them, and I can absolutely love them. Do, do you see the difference? Right? I don't have to ignore them. I don't have to stop hanging out with them. So I say, well, aren't you worried you're going to be condoning what they're doing? Like if you accept them and love them, aren't you worried that they're going to continue to go down this horrible path? You know, like, like if you see their life crashing, isn't it your job to save them or, or, or at least unfriend them like to get their attention? Like someone needs to convict them. Listen, no, I don't, Right? And, and, and no, you don't either. Some of us, we need to drop the Savior complex, okay? All right, you, you have to understand you do what God called you to do and then let God do what only God can do. You ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the most mysterious thing about God and the Trinity. Uh, I really do not understand a lot about the Holy Spirit and everything that goes on. I admire him. I honor him. But if I'm honest, I really don't understand him. But one thing I'm absolutely convinced of about the Holy Spirit, you are not him. I am not him, right? So we can drop the Savior complex. You can drop the fact that you think you need to jump into the Trinity and be a part of this whole thing. Now, does that mean you don't ever speak truth? No. No, we're, we're called to, but with love. I, I'm just saying that you can absolutely 100% accept somebody and 100% love them without necessarily approving of what they are doing. So, second thing. To love like Jesus, believe in others like Jesus believes in me. There's a great story in Acts chapter 9. There's a man by the name of Saul. Most of you know him by the name he becomes, which is Paul. But while he's still Saul... He is really messing things up. He's persecuting Christians. He's actually killing them. And then Saul meets Jesus. And a very dramatic story takes place. He repents. He puts his trust in Jesus. And he believes. But then there's a huge problem, as you might imagine. Saul makes his way to Jerusalem and decides he's going to go to these new uh, Christians. He's going to the new members class. And he's going to join the church. But when Saul walks in, you can imagine everybody panics, right? 
they don't think he's actually converted to Christianity. They don't think he's walking with Jesus. They think it's a trick. They think that he's going to come in, pretend like he's going along with Christianity, and then he's going to kill all of them. Just like he killed Stephen and many of their friends and husbands and wives and possibly kids. And so they are extremely worried about this guy. Then there's a guy named Barnabas. Barnabas loves everybody. So they send Barnabas to kind of check up on Saul. So Barnabas spends some time with Saul. And let me tell you, this is the beauty of reckless love. This is why I love having reckless people in my life like this. They are willing to give you an incredible gift because they really believe that God can help you change. Let me put it this way. They do not let you, uh, they do not let you who you were yesterday limit who you can become today. They do not let who you were yesterday, I was written a little wrong, they don't let who you were yesterday impede who you can be today. And what I want to say to you guys is that's the kind of church that we really desire to be. We really believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I really believe with all of my heart that you do not have to, you don't have to what happened in your past limit who you can become today. We say it all the time. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, your story is safe here. And we mean that. No judgment. We believe in you. We believe that life change and transformation can happen. And that's where Barnabas is. Barnabas gives him this fabulous gift, and he takes a huge risk on Saul. And he spent some time with him, and he's like, look, I love this guy. So he goes back to the church and is like, guys, this is the real deal. It's legit. What's happening between Saul and God is awesome. And so we read in verse 28 of chapter 9. So Saul stayed with them, being the Christians, and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And Saul will then become Paul who will then go on to be probably the greatest missionary that we've ever seen or heard. And it's all because there's a guy by the name of Barnabas who loves like Jesus, who believes in Saul, maybe even when Saul couldn't believe in himself. And I gotta believe, for all of you, there's someone in your life who needs this wonderful gift of starting over because there's someone in your life that is convinced that there is an us versus them right now. Let me tell you the biggest problem with us versus them mentality. I think Jesus sees it a little different. I think the way Jesus sees it is that there is perfect and there is not perfect. And really, at the end of the day, there is holy and there is sinful. Now, if this is the way that it is, and this is certainly what Jesus taught, then this means that we're all on the same side. All of humanity is on the same side, which is, from God's standpoint, the wrong side. But Jesus was absolutely determined to make the wrong side his side. And then one of the most unbelievable moments, the most unbelievable thing happens in history. Jesus comes down to the other side. He comes to the wrong side to make it his side. So, in a moment in time, Regardless of what side you think you're on or you're not on, you could realize that you are loved and accepted by the God of the universe simply by asking him to come into your life. Now I'm going to ask you, 
if you can, right where you're at, to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're, we're not done, but I think this is a real moment for some of you. And so as you are in that posture of prayer, I want you to think. Maybe you realize that you've been playing this whole game of us versus them. And some of you, when you realize there's really just a holy and sinful, right, and all, and all of that, that all of us in humanity, we're on the wrong side. You realize there's this gap. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, you will be forgiven. And maybe you're here today. And for whatever reason, you've just never asked for the grace of Jesus to rule over your life. Maybe you just never thought about the fact that there's a holy side and there's a sinful side and we're kind of all on the sinful side. So maybe today you would just say, you know what? I would like to begin a relationship with Jesus. However you're getting there, I think that that's great. Right? I want to begin. I don't understand everything about this deal. I just know I'm on the wrong side. And if this man can make it the right side, then I want to give my heart and my life to him. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that. All right? You don't have to really, you know, if you're watching this, there's nothing to stand up or come forward to. I would never want to embarrass you in any way. But I would love for you to just say a prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus, asking him for his forgiveness in your life. And here's what I'd love you to do. I would love for you to be brave and tell someone that this is what you want to do. If we were sitting in a church setting, we were all sitting right here, I'd just say, hey man, could you stick up your hand? Just, just a simple way, not to embarrass you, but just to step out in a way. Would you do that? If that's where you're at, would you pray with me right now? Just say this prayer in your heart. Say, dear God, I'm thankful for your son Jesus. I'm thank thankful that even though I'm on the wrong side, you came to this wrong side to make it your side. So that in a moment like this, I could ask for your forgiveness, that I could be made right, I could be made holy, not because of anything that I've done, but because of what you did on the cross. So thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. I wanna live my life chasing after you. And Father, we thank you so much for meeting us here today. I thank you, God, for the reminder that it is not us versus them that is our model for how we want to live. We should follow you to the other side every chance that we get so we can show reckless love, making a difference for the one and only life that you've given us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you help us to accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And just like I do every single week, I would love for you to head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org. Click on the green button that's there and you'll see some giving options. I would love it if you would choose one of those giving options. Your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Truly, guys, we cannot do this without your financial support. Now, by way of benediction, let me read to you again the words of Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It said, the day when, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, 
let us go over to the other side. May you go with Jesus to the other side and may you break out of the us versus them and love the other side with a reckless kind of love. Hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching this. Thanks for listening with us. If we can pray for you about anything, let us know. We're on your side. Love you guys. See you next week.